in today's episode of Rob Conrad Conversations, Devin Person. I was just imagining, okay, what are these, you know, different versions of how my life is just a little bit worse or a little bit better, or I didn't take this choice or I didn't take that choice. In 2014, Devin Person decided to change his life. That's the main question I get asked all the time when I tell people I'm a wizard. And they say, well, what does a wizard do? And my stock answer is, well, whatever they want. And decided to become a wizard. I, 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 have, a, I have a day job. I get paid fine. I'm, I'm doing this because I want to do this. <laughs> like, this is, you know, I, I am very aware of the privilege that I bring. And that's why I keep it uh, passive when I'm on the subway. I sit on the train and I have a sign that says, talk to the wizard because no one meets a wizard by accident. A story of self-actualization, mindfulness, the search for a better reality, and of course, magic. Join the conversation now. Welcome to Rob Conrad Conversations. Conversations with extraordinary people that motivate and inspire, learn, grow, and impact lives. Subscribe now and hit the bell icon for a new conversation every week. Here comes the sunshine and burns away clouds like they never were. Hey, this is Rob Conner from Switzerland, and some of my guests are easy to introduce, and some of my guests require a little bit of a longer introduction, but I cannot remember anyone who made it so easy for me. Today, I'm going to talk to Devin Person, who is a wizard. And if that doesn't make you interested in watching this episode, then I don't know. So from New York, bringing a little bit of magic into your life today, Devin Person. How are you doing, man? I'm great. Thank you, Rob, for having me. Thank you very much. So um, if you were to write a job description for a wizard, what would that say? Oh man, you know, I think, I think being a wizard is sort of avoiding a job description. <laughs> I, I get asked, you know, that's the, that's the main question I get asked all the time when I tell people I'm a wizard and they say, well, what does a wizard do? And my stock answer is, well, whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, a wizard is something that people understand because we know Harry Potter, we know Gandalf, we know the trope of a wizard but it's not something that we have uh, fully defined in the real world mm-hmm. in quite the same way that, you know, a witch, people have a little bit more of a handle on what witchcraft means in the modern era. Mm-hmm. So my take on being a wizard is that it's about uh, helping other people. Mm-hmm. I am not the hero of the story. I am a wizard in somebody else's story. And at the right moment, people happen to run into me and I try and do what I can to give them an experience that makes them think about something a little bit differently, see things from a different angle, or just gives them that, uh, that encouragement, that magic that they need to make that choice. And if that small experience just changes them by one degree, mm-hmm. then over time, those points are going to get further and further out on the line. And so someone could look back and say, wow, if I hadn't talked to that wizard, if I hadn't had that one encounter, you know, I would be doing everything differently. I see. I see. So you've not been a wizard forever. So you decided to be a wizard at some point. 
I decided to be a wizard. Exactly. Yeah. I, I moved to New York City five years ago, and I'd been living here for, gosh, I moved here in the summer, and then it was, as the new year started, I was looking around and saying, you know, I don't know what the idea is yet, but this is, this is my egg year. This is the year that I'm going to mm-hmm. hack the thing. And I took a whole year to sort of play around with ideas and explore and figure out what it is that I wanted to do in this city of infinite possibility. And by the end of the year, I had decided that I would become a wizard and I would do a magic ritual to become one. And because wizards are often pretty old, I had a nice long runway, so I didn't Mm -hmm. have to stress too much about it. And I could just play around and have fun and figure out what it means to be a wizard. I think answering that question is the, is the whole point of the project. And I really don't want to rush to the answer the same way that you don't always want to rush to the end of a mystery novel. Sometimes it's the, it's the discovering that's more fun than the knowing. I see, I see. Um, were you interested in like magic and rituals and stuff like that before? It's, was it something that was always part of your life? or Absolutely. You know, I, I can trace, it, it wasn't clear as I lived through it chronologically. But when I looked back with the, the wisdom of hindsight, I was able to pull out pieces and see how they fit into a pattern. When mm-hmm. I was in middle school, uh, my parents went to a Unitarian Universalist church. And the middle school curriculum was studying world religions. So Sunday, you know, and and Unitarians are not very Jesus focused, but Mm -hmm. we would get pulled out of the regular church service and we'd go and we'd learn about Mormonism for three weeks. And then Mm -hmm. we'd go visit a Mormon temple and see what their service was like. And then we would learn about Buddhism or we'd learn about the Baha'i faith or Mormonism or Mm -hmm. uh, Christian science or Scientology or pretty much everything. And I just was always so fascinated by people's belief systems. Mm -hmm. Uh, As a child, I loved mythology. And I think I always had this understanding from what I learned in school that people have constantly thought they had pretty much figured out the world, that we've got Mm -hmm. a pretty good idea of what's going on, and we're always totally off. And so that doesn't mean (laughs) you believe in, you know, the consensus reality as defined by modern scientific method obviously that's a a pretty good map for the territory of our experience but i was very skeptical of hardline atheism i thought Mm -hmm. that saying you could you were certain that god didn't exist was a very cocky thing to do as uh such a small small piece of uh what we could perceive of as reality and Then more specifically in terms of magic, I always found it really problematic the way that people dismissed the history of magic, the history of ritual and religion. What we know about evolution and the way that cultures evolve, you can get some debris in the mix that gets passed along. You know, you can have vestigial features or you can end up with birds that have crazy elaborate feathers just because there was a sort of war and mating dances and they got wilder Mm -hmm. and wilder. But those things serve a purpose at some level. And Mm -hmm. and if human societies that are trying to survive are going to spend all of their energy building ceremonial masks, going through elaborate rituals, doing all of these things, I I was confident that they served a purpose, 
but maybe not the literal one that you would get from asking those people. You know, maybe the ritual is not actually keeping demons out of the body, but maybe there's some other purpose. Maybe there's something that is helping them heal or, you know, stay cohesive as a group. And so I was always very curious about magic. And Mm -hmm. when I got into uh, my late teens and early 20s, I was exposed to these ideas through uh, comic books, actually. Mm-hmm. Grant Morris, Alan Moore, and Neil Gaiman are all comic book writers okay. that approached magic from a perspective that was very new to me. And then I read an interview with Grant Morrison where he was talking about magic not as being literally true, but as a way of using your imagination to interact with things. And if you trained yourself to see them, then you could. So it wasn't the idea that you say the magic words, you put the circle of salt on the ground, you light the candles, and boom, a demon's going to appear that's as real as your cat or dog that's in the room. But that over time, you connect the idea of making that salt circle, of lighting the candles, of performing these things, and you train yourself that you can start to get in contact with parts of yourself or maybe spirits that are out there in the world, depending on how you want to see it and really grow and change and get things done. So it's a lot about, and I noticed this also when I was listening to your um, kind of public speeches that you have out there. Um, it's a lot about defining yourself and, and giving yourself an idea to, to follow and then following through with that idea. So, so you had the idea of becoming a wizard, you chose that idea, and then you said, okay, what do I need to do to do that? And the way magic is, is, could be for people what you just talked about. So it's about kind of imprinting an idea into yourself and then following through with that idea. And this, that just gives you the, the initial ritual in the literal sense to, to start doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. At its core, I think that magic is a methodology for creating reality. I think mm-hmm. it came from people that were dealing with a lot of unknowns and uh, mm-hmm. odds that were stacked against them. We want to go out and hunt we want to create a reality where we come home with game. If we don't, we're going to be very hungry and we might not survive. So we're going to, you know, it's like a superstitious baseball player. We're going to (laughs) wear that one sock and we're not going to take it off. And we're going to chant this thing and do that. And we're going to paint pictures and we're going to, you know, it's, it's like modern self help and positive thinking. You're drawing pictures of yourself shooting the animals or killing yeah. the animals you want to bring home. You're just trying to put those thoughts into the world and manifest them. And that's how it works at a small individual level. But then as you build up civilizations, the people who do the magic, who run the religions, are the ones that are literally, they're writing the operating system for the whole society. They're saying, this stuff is taboo. Don't mess with it. Mm -hmm. And some of that because those are bad elements that you don't want to bring into the culture or they're foods that are a higher risk of disease. And so again, this is serving a purpose. It's helping you survive and the culture finds the rules and taboos that work for it. But other times, I think on the other side of the taboo is the magic itself and the people who are saying, okay, how do we tweak and adjust the operating system of the society? How do we we play with the uh, source code? Mm-hmm. So, so when you decided for yourself to um, become a wizard, 
what were the the first step uh, the steps that you took and what were the first reactions when you announced that you're a wizard now yeah let me give you a, a little bit longer of an answer for that um because i think it's important to uh to start where the idea really came from and i was working in uh customer service for mm-hmm. a build your own website company so people would be trying to upload an image to their site and they would write in an email saying, I can't figure this out. And I would say, here's how you do it. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at people's sites all day long and I'm seeing so many freaking life coach sites. Mm-hmm. Life coach sites, yoga people, meditation people were the worst. They would write emails in all caps. They're so rude. They're so angry. And I'm just like, wow, this person's an asshole. And I go look at their site and it's them being a motivational speaker telling everyone how to find inner peace and, you know, perfect your zen. <laughs> and I just thought, what fucking a hypocrites? Like, complete mismatch of, of perceived reality versus actual reality. Yeah. Is it, is, it, is it okay for me to swear or should I not swear? I swear as much as you want. Go ahead. Okay. Will do. Uh, so <laughs> I was thinking at first that I wanted to make fun of this that I'd always been interested in the occult and my own take on it. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll be an occult life coach and I'll be this, you know, weird parody of this and it'll be a comedy thing. And as I continued to sort of let the idea marinate in my mind, I realized that I would get really bored with that. If the punchline Mm -hmm. was always, crystals, not (laughs) analyzing. Gotcha. How long is that going to stay funny for me? How long am I going to enjoy writing blog posts or whatever content I'm making about that? And it's repetitive after a while. You can, you can only really fun of someone so many times before it gets boring. Yeah. And I got to a point where I realized that I had a lot of weird systems and ideas and philosophies that had helped me do things, that had helped me manifest change in my life, get over bad habits. And I wasn't a perfect person, but I loved talking about these things. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there was some question that I read of, you know, your passion is what you could spend all night talking about in a bar forever. Like mm-hmm. that's, you, know, you, you won't tire it out. And for me, it was magic, which I kept actually somewhat private. And I realized that I needed to be vulnerable enough to actually try and help people and actually put something out there that I believed in and not hide behind this screen of comedy and irony. Mm-hmm. And if I was going to do that, I didn't want to be one of these people who's saying, you know, oh, find the peace within. Where's my fucking triple latte? And it's just, <laughs> just full of shit. And I, I wanted to live it 24 hours. And then I think the real moment and what's continued to be my... Uh, dowsing rod, my North Star, how I find my direction when I get lost on the path is it makes me laugh. Mm Is when I have an idea that makes me laugh and I'm cracking up. And when I moved to New York, I moved into a renovated apartment in Bushwick, Brooklyn, where the landlords had thought that you know, hipster kids would love if when you go into the bathroom and flip a switch, there's psychedelic party lights that go off. Okay. So this bathroom is built into the wall. You can just turn on cool multicolored party lights. So I would take once a week what I call the psychedelic bath. I'd listen to ambient music. <laughs> I'd take a bath and I'd smoke a very, very, very small amount of pot, like a single hit. And just let my mind kind of unwind and unfurl and see what. 
And that's where I really was brainstorming this and just the idea of, oh my God, what if I just became a wizard? And I think there was a lot of times where I was in the tub by myself, Brian Eno playing over a computer, and I'm cracking up and just laughing at the idea of of doing this. And I distinctly remember at one point thinking about doing wizard stuff on the subway, a very early version of what I do Mm -hmm. now. And I was terrified of it. I was like, oh my God, that's so funny. And I have to bring this into the world. But Whew, that is terrifying. Like, how am I going to push myself up that hill? Why, why was it terrifying? What was oh, it? The, the part yeah. of exposing yourself with the idea of attracting yeah, I think, ridiculous? I think I, thought, I think I was thinking of going on and doing some sort of performance on the subway car. Mm-hmm. Talking to a, you know, and just the idea of just getting on a subway car and talking to a bunch of strangers, you know, addressing them like that or... Mm-hmm. You know, I'm also declaring myself to be something that uh, doesn't exist within reality. So I thought people would challenge me, shoot mm-hmm. a fireball, turn yourself invisible. You're not a real wizard. And they would want me to break reality to prove that I was real. And so as I was thinking all of these things, I realized that I came upon this idea that let's say there's multiple realities mm-hmm. and let's say there's an And so if we have a reality, you know, if I'm in reality zero, we can go to my right and have a slightly better reality plus Mm -hmm. one and one to my left and have a reality negative one, slightly, Mm -hmm. slightly crappier. And I was just imagining, okay, what are these, you know, different versions of how my life is just a little bit worse or a little bit better, Mm -hmm. or I didn't take this choice or I didn't take that choice. And I thought about, well, if there's an infinite number of realities, then there's one where I've already become a wizard. Mm-hmm. And of all the realities where I've become a wizard, there's one where I'm the best, most awesome wizard that I could possibly be. Uh-huh. And if someone was going to be able to reach across those dimensional barriers and hear my call, it would be that wizard version of me. Like they're, okay. they're the one that would be best suited. So I came up with an idea for a ritual where I was going to reach out across the barriers and contact the most wizardly version of myself and ask them for help and to sort of merge Mm -hmm. our deltas and and bring us together. I think over time it sort of evolved into this idea of from where I was in that moment of all my future selves, there's a version of me that's on his deathbed and has done it. That has Mm -hmm. become this wizard and has lived this amazing life and been, you know, part of the transformations of the 21st century. And now is having his life flashback before his eyes and he's able to send magic back in time to me that would manifest as just keeping me on that path that leads to him. So when someone that I meet at a bar doesn't return my text, okay, great. That was not the right path to go down. Let's Mm -hmm. keep going on. I don't get a job. That job would have led me astray. Like Mm -hmm. trust having faith in the process. So I rented a rehearsal studio in Midtown Manhattan And I lugged a whole bunch of crap there and I did a magic ritual that was about thinking through, you know, what would I like to become and what traits would I like to embody and how do I sort of invoke those and summon those into myself and Mm -hmm. make contact with, uh, with this future wizard that I'm perhaps destined to become. 
Why, why a rehearsal studio that seems to be the least magical <laughs> place I could imagine? You know, it's New York City, man. If you want, if you want space, you gotta, you gotta figure it out. Like, <laughs> gotcha. I, didn't, I had roommates, so I didn't want to do it in the apartment. I wanted to be able to chant loudly and to really go full bore on it. Okay. And yeah, it was great, except I only rented it for an hour and I think I finished everything with five minutes to spare. Yeah. But I have a room that's got all these little tea candles lit. And so I'm trying to put everything away. I'm, I think I'm naked at that point. And so I'm trying to put everything away before some little girl and her piano teacher walk in to use the room. <laughs> at some point I spilled wax across the floor. And so uh, I'm using a t-shirt to just try and like scrub wax off the floor and get out of there. So that was fun. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I just, you know, I think as a modern wizard, we've got to use the, uh, the means available to us, whether those are the symbols that we've grown up with or the technology that we have at hand, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're speaking across lightweight, uh, light pulses that span the globe right now. <laughs> That's you know? true. And, and so, 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 so that, that, that ritual, what, what happened after the ritual? What's happened to you after the ritual? So, you know, the normal thing that happens after a ritual is nothing. And in okay. fact, uh, one of the, the best pieces of advice for magic is the final step is forget about it. Mm -hmm. You don't want to do a ritual and then walk around going, all right, where's, uh, where's that thing going to manifest from? You know, where is it, where's it coming? I'm ready, you know, every morning waking up and you're, you're like a kid waiting for the mailman. You know, is my present here? You've got to forget it. You've got to let it slip out of your mind because that's how your unconscious works on it and the universe works on it. And then when you're least expecting it, it pops back up. So I went back to living my life and I went on a trip down to Philly with a friend and my knee got screwed up. I have a rare knee condition called pigmented villonodular synovitis. And yeah, you want to have it. It's, it's yeah. And it plagued me throughout my 20s. Basically, every time I moved to a new city, and a, you know, I, I never owned a car. I always rode bikes. Mm -hmm. And then my knee would swell up and I would be pretty, you know, pretty disabled. And so is, is it some I, sort of, is it, is it a, 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 a some sort of inflammation in your knee or what, what is yeah, it? Yeah, technically, it's, it's, it's technically tumors in my knee oh, okay. uh, that irritate the lining of the joint. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't really stand and watch a concert for a long time. Standing would bother it. Uh, if I walked too far, it would swell. And so every once in a while, I would have a, a swell, actually a bleed in the lining of the joint that would swell up. Mm -hmm. And I'd have to just stay home for, you know, three or four days. Mm -hmm. Ice and all of it, take out ibuprofen, just stay off of it. But this time I was in Philly. And so I really couldn't just say, hey, everyone, I got to go home. Mm -hmm. And so I was on it and just making it worse and worse for so much longer. And so when I finally got back to New York, it was fucked. It was the okay. size of a grapefruit. And I couldn't leave the house for about a month. Oh, wow. I, I worked from home and I was pretty miserable and just really was treating it like a sick day, you know, just, all right, I'm just going to watch TV and work from bed and just be depressed about it. And after two weeks of that, I said, this is not going to work. I can't, <laughs> I can't do that. And I Googled my condition, mm -hmm. New York city. And I found a doctor that had written a paper on it. 
And the last time I'd seen an expert, he'd said, avoid surgery as long as you can. The next okay. step is, you've already had surgery once, this condition's like a weed, it comes back. The mm. next time you have surgery, they're gonna have to pull out pretty much all of your joint. You're gonna be, oh it's, it's gonna be not good. It's gonna be a long recovery, it's gonna mm. just be the worst. So I went in thinking I was in for really bad news. And I go see this doctor that was familiar with my condition, he's a specialist, and he tells me actually that he's not going to do surgery, that mm -hmm. they are running a trial for an experimental medication mm -hmm. that they've had good results with, and it's helped people with my condition. But he has to tell me it has an effect. Mm -hmm. And he does not say side effect because it happens to everyone who takes the medication. Okay. It's going to turn all of my hair white. And <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't think he'd ever seen anyone get so thrilled by the idea of mm -hmm. that side effect. I think that was a thing that, you know, middle-aged men were bemoaning and, oh, no, this, it's going to be awful for me. And I was just over the moon. I was disappointed when he said if I went off the meds, it would go back. Oh, because it's not permanent. It's not permanent. But okay. um, so that to me was just such an amazing moment of the universe answering my call. Hmm. I had been prepared to just wait it out and say, I'm going to be a wizard and I'm going to do what I got to do. And, you know, if I don't have the white beard okay, whatever, that's fine. You know, wizards, I'm a modern wizard. I'm a different kind of wizard. I'll figure yeah. it out. <laughs> but I got put on the medication and yeah, that really was a transformation. I, I, I literally watched my hair change day by day. My right. eyelashes, my skin tone lightened. Everything just went white or blonde. Wow, okay. There yeah. you go. <laughs> that's amazing, okay. So, so it's in a way it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's, I mean, that's exactly the way that I sort of see, you know, magic is if you have a task in front of you where some things are in your control and some things aren't, then you can do what you can, but it's, it's hard to keep your spirits up when you feel just subjected to the, the whims of fate, whether that's dating or trying to find a job or a creative project and magic is a way to sit down and have a kickoff meeting and say, this is where I'd like to go, but it's not about rigidity and control and just forcing in that direction no matter what. It's about setting off in that direction and then the universe sort of, will the winds of fate will blow you and mm -hmm. maybe you'll end up someplace better than you thought you were going in the first place. And <laughs> that is the dance that we do with magic where you have to be open to that. Um, It's like, it's, it's like sailing, you know, you can set the, the course, but the winds might blow you and you end up on some, some other island. And maybe that's the island that you're, you're meant to check out. Or there might be no wind at all. Or there might be no one at all. And you might, you know, go around in circles. But yeah, yeah. in my experience, that tends not to happen all that much. It, that's what surprised me the most, to be honest. Um, when I was you know, reading about you and, and what you were saying, It's it's a lot it's a lot less woo woo than it, than I expected it to be because you, you talk a lot about you now it's in a way it's it's the magic you talk about is is a lot like uh, are you familiar with Napoleon Hill? Um, um yes yeah I'm thinking 
Yeah, this kind of philosophy where you basically you, you you set your goals, you believe in something, you set your minds on that goal, or on the vision that you have, and then you just you know, wait for it to happen in a way. And then by doing so, you will kind of invite things to happen into your life. You might be a little bit more aware of these things and you might follow through a little bit more than you would have otherwise done so. And, and that's, that's it. And, and the, the other parts that you talked about, um, like the, the magic that we see in like novels like Harry Potter or... Um, which are incredibly, incredibly popular. So it's it's not at all as as crazy as I expected it to be initially. So you're not that complete uh, wacky weirdo that's talking about uh, crazy stuff. It's it's actually it's it's quite relatable. Um, at least well, I find it. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I um, that's very sweet of you to point out those things because I think as a modern wizard my job is to represent, to clarify, and to explore the mythology of, of, the, of the current world. And mm -hmm. in American culture, it is these things like Napoleon Hill. That is mm -hmm. so entrenched that people don't think that's their mythology. Mm -hmm. But you draw a clear line from, uh, you know, hermetic and esoteric occult traditions uh, of, of Europe moving into the 1800s and stuff like spiritualism and theosophy leading to what was called new thought, uh, Christian science. And then that leads into positive thinking and Napoleon Hill and these other people that continue throughout the 20th century and get co-opted by Madison Avenue and become the language of advertising. Mm -hmm. Just do it. Think different. All of these slogans that you see on advertisements, if you, you know, it's, it's gotten so crazy. You watch a Super Bowl ad and it's a moving, triumphant speech about the human being and our infinite resolve and courage. And it's a sermon. And then at the end, it just says Jeep. And you're like, what? <laughs> I have to deal with fucking that. <laughs> you know, like, you know, there's a thing, you know, that'll be about, you know, uh, a kid in a wheelchair and they're, competing and they're overcoming and then it's Doritos and you're like, Doritos are corn chips, you know? Yeah. What, yeah. what does <laughs> have to do with global friendships and coming together to smile? It's, it's yeah, sugar. Yeah. So that is the mythology that we're immersed in, but we're like the, the fish that asks what's water. Mm -hmm. it, it's all around us. We don't see it anymore. So it's been very funny to me. I don't think I realized this when I started, but in the last few years, it's got clear. I love, occult magic and i have friends that are experts in grimoires and renaissance magic and voodoo and all of these different practices but what i do as a wizard is i try and get down to the marrow and find something that is simple and then relatable because mm -hmm. if i'm just repeating you know what alistair crowley said a hundred years ago i'm just speaking to the other people that have already read alistair crowley and mm -hmm talking to ourselves. I want to talk to people who haven't been exposed to those things and might not even relate to them. But if I can put it in a certain way, that gets across and that creates something new for them that helps them see the world in a slightly brighter way. So in a way you are something like a life coach or like a personal coach in a way that just has a different way of connecting with people. Sure. Yeah. I think, um, It, it, it's hard because I have a lot of issues with life coaching as a thing. 
Yeah. Some of it's really well intentioned, but there is so much snake oil in that field. And so much pyramid schemes. You know, there is, it's, you go looking for life coaching stuff and you quickly find life coaches that teach life coaches how to teach other life coaches. Yeah, to be yeah, life. And again, you know, when I got my start, I was seeing people who were rude to a customer support agent and their website was awful and poorly written. And they're saying they're going to help somebody else quadruple their productivity and manifest the life they've always wanted. There's a lot of promise that I don't think people deliver on. So I do work one-on-one with people, but I only see clients once. Um, I don't have, I don't have recurring clients. I am not a therapist. I am not, you know, I, I think there's a lot of value in those other things. Other people do a great job at them. Um, I used to call it occult consulting. Now I call it wizard sessions. But <laughs> I think it's about giving someone a single experience and then they can take it and run with it. Okay. So, so how do these experiences look like? What would, you, um, what would a session with you look like? It looks a lot like life coaching, you know, uh, to some extent. Uh, it's a, a structured conversation. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that's really valuable about life coaching is that we feel guilty about talking about ourselves in a social context mm. too much. I mean, obviously we're, it's a very narcissistic world these days. We're happy mm. to talk about ourselves. Here I am being interviewed. Uh, <laughs> but when someone's out with friends, they can say, Oh yeah, you know, I want to work on this screenplay, but they can't really monopolize the conversation And then they start to feel guilty and they need to switch back and say, wait, but you know, but what's going on with you? How's work? And their friends also aren't empowered to push back and say, mm-hmm. you know, Sarah, we've heard you talk about the screenplay a hundred times. When can we see a draft? When can we see a first page? Like what, what's, what are you doing with it? And so having a conversation where I listen to somebody else, they have to do the work of thinking, what do they want to talk to a wizard about? And then I ask questions and I probe and I give them exercises and we find a way to sort of map out where they are right now and where they would like to be. Mm-hmm. Now, at that point, I think what is an issue I see with a lot of the uh, self-help movement is they don't recognize that people are already at their max capacity. Mm-hmm. People are fucking busy. It's an overwhelming world. You've got email and text and kids and you know work and a hundred other things. And then you go read a list that says, 10 things to make your life better. One is a meditation practice. Two is going vegan. Three is learn another language. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, go to the gym. It's like, you're never going to fit all that in. It's too much. And somebody who is perhaps naturally wired to be more into those things, you know, of all of the people that exist in the world, the ones that are most able to wake up at 4 a.m. every day and do an insane workout routine and stick with it, are the ones that end up becoming the motivational speakers who then mm-hmm. go tell other people, this is the secret. But the thing is, they're two different people. That's What's going to work for me is not necessarily going to work for you. So what I try and do is help my clients and people that I meet in, in the world figure out what's the least they can do. What mm-hmm. is the smallest little thing that you can try? And maybe it's symbolic. Mm-hmm. You know? Maybe it's, it's just a gesture, but it's going to be something. And that can give you 
that momentum to find another thing and to most importantly, I think, have fun with it. Mm-hmm. I think the difference between my philosophy as I form it and Napoleon Hill is Napoleon Hill is very hardcore. He's like, just hold this thought in your mind constantly. Just yeah, never yeah. not be thinking of this. Just be constantly fixated on success. If I had a friend that was like that, I don't think I'd want to hang out with them. I don't think they'd be, you know, a very good date. I don't think they would be a lot of fun to go to the park with because they're fixated so intently on their goal. I think that the magic is the stuff that you don't see coming, that you don't expect. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's very contradictory because sometimes you've got to turn off the phone and buckle down and do the work. But other times it's when you blow off the work that you think you should be doing and you go out for a drink with a friend that you meet the person who changes your life. Mm-hmm. So you never you're never gonna know, and you gotta learn to trust yourself to to navigate that. I see. And and why only meet those people once? I mean, wouldn't it be good to give a little impulse every let's say every month or every two months or every half a year at least to see where people go? Why 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 only once? Because I think that people need to do it for themselves. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a tendency and you know i mean there's a lot of life coaches out there that have great systems for avoiding these problems and you know maybe i just didn't figure them out quick enough but people tend to create a relationship where they project a lot onto you so mm-hmm. you give someone a little bit of homework and then the next time you're supposed to meet they didn't do the homework and they show up and they're like oh you're going to be mad at me i'm not mm-hmm. You didn't do the homework because you decided not to. That's your free will. That's your choice. And I've realized that as a wizard, my job is not to push people up the hill. My job is to point the way. And maybe I don't point the way directly. Maybe I'm kind of, you know, winking and joking and, you know, offering. The Zen master is going to sit there and meditate and, and, you know, spit out riddles. And if you want to keep coming back to him, you'll keep getting new riddles and maybe you'll figure it out eventually, but he's Mm -hmm. not going to come to your house and wake you up and say, Hey, you stopped coming by the the temple. Are you, are you still, can I sign you up for another enlightenment course? And that's the thing is I want to keep this as pure as I can. You know, Mm -hmm. I think one of my concerns is that, especially with the, the internet, if you look at a lot of people that are, tarot readers or healers or they speak to angels they do reiki whatever Mm -hmm. it is i see this pattern across all of them that becomes about internet sales if you have two people that are identical twins and they're both life coaches and Mm -hmm. over time one of them is incredibly good at life coaching and one of them is incredibly good at internet marketing I think over time, the person who's good at internet marketing figures out how to write the better posts, how to get the keywords, how to get the search traffic. Anything that the person who's a natural life coach does, that person can steal. They can say, oh, that person wrote this really great post. I'm going to rewrite it on my site. (laughs) And over time, they're just going to get better and better. And when you look across the field, I think sometimes you're seeing the people who are the best at promoting themselves rather than the people who have honed the craft the most. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So uh, how did people react uh, when you became a wizard? When you, you know, came out with the idea and talked about it? How, how did your family react? Did, you know, did you get yeah. any negative reaction? So Jesus, 
you're out of your mind. So what, what are you doing? You know, what's so funny is um, not that I've never had anyone react negatively at all, but I was terrified. You know, I, I was going to do it, but I was so worried that I was going to get those reactions that people are mm-hmm. going to, that was crazy. And I remember I went out to get coffee with a coworker that I met at a work event and we just had this kind of cool connection. We're like, we should, we should talk more. You and I are similar. Like <laughs> we should, we should chat. And she was saying, you know, so what's, you know, tell me more about yourself. And I was, I just passed new years. And that was when I said, I'm going to be a wizard. And so I said, I'm becoming a wizard. And she was so into it and so encouraging. And I was thinking, wow, okay, this, you know, and I didn't have the beard at that time. I looked, you know, I had brown hair, uh, you know, clean shaven. And that was great. And I started to notice that when I went out in the world, I could choose, you know, someone would say, what do you do? And I could tell them about my day job or I could say, I'm a wizard. And when I chose the, I'm a wizard, it opened the door to greater connection and greater conversation. Someone would say, Oh my God, my grandmother is from Mexico and is a, is a, you know, is a bruja. And I grew up with her doing all this cool stuff. And I'm suddenly learning about this stranger at a bar's family history. If I told them about my day job, I wouldn't get to do that. And so the more I did it, the more I got excited and comfortable with it. Um, My parents were supportive but I think uncertain they didn't get it because Mm -hmm. I know how to explain it well, because I was sort of saying, you know, I was like, I'm going to be a rock star. What instrument are you going to play? I haven't figured that out yet. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the universe will supply it eventually. I'm going to, I'm going to walk in this direction and we'll figure it out. So it was definitely interesting. I think what was really the coolest part though was I remember telling my bosses at my day job and they were like, uh, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> but then over time uh-huh. it, it, it sunk in. And mm-hmm. so from that first reaction of you're a wizard, okay, I have no idea what to do with that. Let's keep talking about work stuff to watching me transform to seeing bits and pieces of it. It became a thing where people would send me a message when they saw a comic strip that had a wizard in it. When there was something about wizards in the world, they would connect with it and mention it to me, or they would make a joke where I realized they had ownership of this idea too. Mm -hmm. Like I, when I say it's a joke, I do not mean that uh, in a disparaging way. I feel like it's, it's beautiful to have more jokes in the world. There's a moment where I see people going from not sure what to do to feeling like they're in on the joke and they have ownership on the joke. Mm-hmm. They can't wait to introduce me as a wizard to somebody else. Yeah. They yeah. Can tell their friends that they know a wizard. And that is where I think um, the idea spreads and grows and takes on a life outside of, of, of me. You know, I'm one physical person, but there's all of these people in New York right now that have a funny story about when they met a wizard on the subway mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe some magic I gave them changed their life and had this amazing story about how, you know, it got them a job or did this or that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think a lot of people that know me, it makes their world more magical. Yeah. Okay. 
And that's actually the same experience that I had when I was you know, getting a bit and researching a little bit about you. It's, it's, I had the same experience. After a while, it's like, okay, the first moment is funny. That's this guy claimed to be a wizard. So that's what kind of nut job is that? But then when you start you know, looking into things, it's, it makes sense. It's, it's, I can't say it doesn't make sense for me. It's, it makes sense what you say. You're not doing anything harmful. You're doing it in a very nice, positive way. You connect to people. You change people's life in a positive way. So that's cool. <laughs> and you, you look cool with the beard and stuff and, and w w go for it. I mean, it's, 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 it's a great thing. And I had the same ex experience actually. So I think it's once you, once you um, dare to, to be what you think you should be, what, 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 whatever calling you have, um, then people will also feel that it's serious. It's not just a joke. It's not, not going to be a wizard for a weekend. It's, it's something you've you know, set on to do. And, and that's great. Absolutely. Yeah. I think your intro nailed it exactly where you said, normally I've got to, you know, figure out how to do an intro and all I have to do is say, he's a wizard. You know, my guest is a wizard. Like, you are excited to have a wizard on your show. And that's because wizard is an idea. It mm -hmm. exists in the world. It's what, um, uh, what's his name? He wrote the book, uh, Sapiens, but he called it uh, intersubjective reality. You mm -hmm. know, there is no single thing that is a wizard in the same way that you know a house is a house or a building is a building or a bike is a bike but wizard is something that when you say it another person gets an idea in their mind and goes i know what you're talking about mm -hmm. and condensed within that word and within that archetype is so much stuff it's very dense there's ideas of playfulness of magic of beards of uh of power of mystery of the cosmos of of demons, you know, all this stuff is condensed down into that. And especially in the modern world where people grew up reading Harry Potter and connecting to that story as they, you know, there's a generation that basically grew up with Harry Potter. They were around his age when they started the series and they finished the series when they were a similar age. So, uh, it connects with them on a, on a personal level, on a cultural level, and get something across. And I think once that connection is made, you know, this is, you know, just the world's <laughs> simplest marketing ploy, mm -hmm. then I'm able to do the real work, which my friend Kevin Marr put it really well, where he said, people show up and they're afraid that you're in that job. And then you start talking and they go, oh, he's in on the joke. He's not yeah. taking it too seriously. And then they can relax. Yeah. And they relax and they're enjoying it. And then a few minutes after that, they go, wait a minute. He's talking about real stuff here. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. You know, it's accessible. It's understandable. This is, this makes sense to me. Even if they're the most diehard skeptic atheist, you know, I don't believe in any woo woo nonsense. They're resonating with it and they're going, wow, this is some real serious shit. He yeah, has yeah. about this. And then it flips yet again and they go, Oh, but he's telling us we can have fun. We can be silly about serious things and serious about silly things. That's, that's, yeah. that's this. And you mentioned archetypes and a lot of stuff that you talk about is really archetypical things, archetypical stories. And, and Harry Potter is basically, uh, I mean, it's, it's a great, great series of archetypical storytelling. And, and so there's Joseph Campbell. I'm sure you're familiar with him. I love um, Joseph Campbell. Absolutely. The hero's journey. And, and that's what you mentioned initially. I mean, you, you're the, the wizard, literally, the person that's, that's um, in the hero's journey, 
gives the advice. Out the gate, yeah, as Campbell says, there's the, there's the moment when the hero is, you know, they go out of the normal realm and they're going down into mm. the mysterious unconscious realm and the wizard, the hero, the old, you know, the guide gives them the, the thing that they don't understand then, but later sort of blossoms. And then when they're in the thick of it and they don't know what to do, they reach in their pocket and they're like, oh, yeah, I've got that magic coin from the wizard and now is the time to use it. So exactly. Yeah, that's. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry, just. Oh, can, can we? Sh- so sorry. Stop for two minutes. My sure. little girl uh, talking. I'll, I'll be right back. Okay. Yeah, I'll just show. So, sorry for the interruption. <laughs> A little one was was crying. Let me just. Life, life exists in the interruptions. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah, so so we we left off with the hero's journey in a way. So so you're kind of the the person who gives that impulse, who who sets something that will later become important. As you said, Snow, I liked your example with the two curves moving away from each other. Yeah, and well, that, that, oh, go ahead. Yeah, and, and I think that that makes perfect sense. And there's a reason why all the all the successful stories are always based around the same archetype of stories and, and that's why people connect with it. There's something undeniably true to it, whether you, you, can, you can experience it rationally or emotionally, but there is some deeper truth to it and that's why people you know, respond so well to these things. Yeah, I think, I think the way that uh, you know, a friend can tell you a story about getting rejected and they're saying things at one level, but you can read this deeper level where you're like, Oh, you, you were hurt by this and you're, you know, you're trying to puff yourself up and talk yourself through it. And you know, this is what you're really expressing, even though you're saying these other things. And I think when we create, we do the same thing uh, with the, the wider unconscious culture. So mm-hmm. JK Rowling, I think understands the story at one level as she's writing it, but mm-hmm. then these deeper truths come through and resonate with other people that I don't, I think that, you know, she consciously planned out every single one. And especially now that the ideas are out there, there's a whole world of people writing their own fan fiction. So whatever Mm -hmm. those nuggets were, you know, that existed down there over time, those get more and more important and sort of outgrow uh, the original, the original story they're embedded in. Yeah, Yeah. And there's a million interpretations of the same story. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think that's really the important thing too, is, is, you know, we talked about advice and life coaches and that stuff is that I can go to someone and I can say, this is the best thing that you could be doing. It's going to fix your depression. It's, you know, all of these scientific studies have said that this is the thing that works, please do it. And then the person does it and it doesn't work for them, you know? This doesn't work for them. And then I could say, here's this really dumb thing where I want you to write the word sad on a rock and I want you to throw it over a bridge. And if you did a bunch of studies on the throwing a rock with the word sad on it, it would not pass muster. But for that person, it just happened to be what they needed in that moment. And they're going to be, you know, telling someone 20 years from now, look, you know, my life really turned around the day that I wrote sad on a rock and threw it off a bridge. Mm -hmm. And that's what worked for that person. So yeah. I think we all have to be uh, our own wizards in a way. We've got to find our own magic, not just try and borrow somebody else's. That's, that's very true. That's very true. Especially nowadays where everyone, <clears throat> especially in social media, it's just trying to be 
a copy of a copy of a copy of of some ideal that's probably furthest from the truth in the first place. So, yeah, I mean, you know, all of all of my stuff is baked in the laboratory of me freaking out, doubting myself, not knowing what to do, trying to motivate myself to actually get something done. You know, none of like I've never been someone that could come home and say, "Great." let's sit down and be creative and productive for the next six hours. I'm a master procrastinator. Uh, you know, being a wizard is a weird thing to decide to do. So I've definitely been uncertain and unsure of it. And there's a weird uh, kind of eddy in the current that I can get caught in where I'm really having a hard time. And then I think, well, I'm a wizard. Isn't my whole deal that I can solve these issues? So <laughs> now I'm having a hard time, and now I'm mad at myself for not being able to get out of it. But yeah. then I realize that I'm still a human being. You know, my last name's Person for a reason, mm-hmm. and uh, it's going through those experiences that actually help me find the things that allow me to then help other people. The classic mm-hmm. archetype of the the wounded healer, if you will. Mm-hmm. So. Practical question: Do you run around like this all the time? Is it just for for when you are a public wizard? Is it is it? Do you run around in sneakers and jeans as well? Or yeah, so uh, these are what I call my formal robes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I have a few other ceremonial robes that I wear for performances and rituals and things of that nature. Um, I'm looking. To, I, I love adding to the collection, but because I'm a wizard, I sort of wait until I synchronistically meet costume designers and then it comes together. So, you know, I can't just go down to Kmart and, and pick these off the rack. But then in real life, I wear what I like to call business casual. Mm-hmm. So I, I experiment with fashion. I have lots of flowing things that hint at wizard without mm-hmm. putting a fine point on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely a, a magic. I, 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 it took me a little while to learn this and people don't think about it um, a lot where people, you know, are like, Oh, are you going to go be a wizard at a Renaissance fair or mm-hmm. you know, this music festival? And I actually hate doing that. I hate <laughs> being blessed up in an environment where it seems Artificial. It seems artificial and, you know, the drunk yahoos that are there think it's sort of for their entertainment, that it's for, it's for them to just yell Dumbledore at and have this limited interaction where it's so weird because I'm, I'm the architect of the joke, but then I can see them trying to make me the butt of it. I'm like, no, my friend, I'm doing this for a very thought out reason. Like you yelling Dumbledore is not some original thing that you've, come up with that you're springing on me and so i really enjoy being out in new york city in the mundane places where people don't appreciate the magic and then they stumble into it i think that's what really comes alive and you're you're not an actor so it's it's genuine what you're doing is genuine so that's probably why why people are making jokes about the actor without understanding that's more than acting it's it's as you said you're the architect of the joke so I thought I was going to have to learn magic tricks. I thought I was going to have to have a whole spiel. I really thought I was going to have to have an answer when people are like, oh, yeah, you're a wizard? Prove it. And that never happens, um, except little kids. Little kids are hard to deal with because they have a 
a different idea of, of, of how magic in the world should work. And they want me to turn their brother into a goat. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, um, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's funny. <laughs> so, so w w what's the kind of magic you do in a subway? So I've seen two or three things from the little snippet that's um, online, but what are the things, well, what's the magic you do for people? Give me a so few examples. This absolutely crazy thing. It's a very powerful form of magic that uh, I think has been lost to the ages and I'm trying to bring it back where I talk to people mm -hmm. and I have a conversation with them and yeah. that's pretty much it. Okay. I talk to them. I answer their questions. I ask them questions. Uh, we chit chat. If it feels appropriate, I will offer to grant them a wish. Mm -hmm. That is a ruse. Uh, I do believe that this is helpful and I, I try my best, but it's a way to get people to get a little bit deeper because we can stay at the same kind of, you know, like, what, a wizard, you know? How long have you been growing your beard for? And it, it, it stays very superficial. And when I offer to grant them a wish, sometimes they joke and they say, oh, I want to win the lottery. And I go, no, you don't. Trust me. I can see the future. You, you won't be good with that money. And then they laugh. And uh -huh. then, they, no, but, you know, you've met a wizard on the train today. Of all the trains you could have gotten on, you know, mm -hmm. if you hadn't stopped on that slice of pizza three hours ago, you'd be on a different train. <laughs> You've mm -hmm. met me for a reason. You know, my business card says no one meets a wizard by accident. Yeah. <laughs> What can I do for you now? And yeah. then they go, oh, well, you know, my, uh, my sister's been having a really hard time. And so I think I want her to feel better. Mm -hmm. And so then I go into the wizard state and think about it for a moment. And I offer them a boom. A boon being a good deed that the universe will sort of come together and do. Very mm -hmm. synchronous. You know, it's going to just work out for them. And in exchange for that, I give them a task. Because there's no free lunch in this world. You got to have skin in the game in order to, uh, to get those results. Mm -hmm. And I give them a pretty practical task. Sometimes it's very, you know, symbolic. But sometimes it's, it's as simple as, you know, text a nice thing to two friends this week or something that's mm -hmm. just this little bit of positive energy. Mm -hmm. And my thesis is that the, the joy of just running into a wizard and having this cool experience, having that faith that something good is going to happen and being on the lookout for it, and then taking on this small task and feeling not helpless and impotent, but actually like they did something. Even if it's small, you know, I think people get so intimidated by, well, I can't fix the whole thing, so what do I do? And it's, thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm not aware of the results of this because I, you know, I'm not signing them up for my mailing list and following up with weekly phone calls. Sure. But I do hand out business cards, and every once in a while, I do get a response from someone who says, you know what, man, I... Like my favorite one was I was in a, a ride share. So they have, are you, do they have this in Switzerland? Uh, uh, wait, where multiple people share one car? Yeah. It's like an Uber or a Lyft or these different ride share services. Yeah. yeah they'll we'll they'll we'll match you with people going the same way. So I'm dressed full wizard cause I'm on my way to go do a performance and 
I'm chatting with the girl in the car and I offer her a wish. And she's like, man, I've been job hunting. I just moved here a few months ago and I'm trying to find a job and I'm just having no luck. And I just really, you know, really need a break. And so we talk about it and she's a nurse and she became a nurse because of her grandma. So I think about it for a moment and I say, all right, I need you to call your grandma tomorrow. Just have a nice little chat with her. Just connect mm-hmm. with her. She's like, oh, I call my grandma all the time. I'd love to. And I say, well, tell her you met a wizard. He told to call him. Mm-hmm. And something good's going to happen soon. And she took a photo of us and I, it was a great photo. So I asked her to email it to me and she emailed to me. And then a few days later, she followed up and she said, I can't believe this. I just got a job. I've been here for four months Uh looking for work. No luck at all. Four days after I meet you, boom, here it is. And that's a story that this person's going to have the rest of their life. You know, that's a magical, that person's life is more magic now because not of really anything I did, but because of just this experience that happened by us coming together. Uh So Um, so, so what what kind of other boons are these? I I just, by the way, I just had to type because I needed to look up the word boon. I've never heard that, but no, no. (laughs) You know, uh, myths and things like that. It's a fun word. Yeah. yeah. So Uh, so what kind of boons did you grant? Because it's, it's, I mean, there's only so much you can do, right? So uh, you can't say, yeah, I'm going to fix your grandma or my, you know, I'm going to get your job. So there's, there's nothing practical you can do about that. So what kind of. It's, it's a fine line that I walk because I want to play around with the assumptions and the, in the, you know, well, you're a wizard. Of course, you're going to know things and do magic, but can I actually reach out and alter the universe in a way so that something is guaranteed to happen? No, I'm not, I'm not the architect of the universe and I wouldn't want that responsibility and I wouldn't want to take the fun away. Uh, I think the unknown is, is a big part of it. The, the waiting, the uncertainty is what makes life interesting. But I do believe that humans are pattern identifying creatures and mm-hmm. that when you look for different patterns, you can often find them. Mm-hmm. And so if you will, you know, what's your, what's, what's your favorite animal? My favorite animal? Um, cats, I would say. Cats. Great. Yeah, I guess. So that's it. I want you to look around for the rest of the month and mm-hmm. notice when you see cats or cats on signs, cats and ads, and just notice that and kind of just check in with yourself whenever that happens mm-hmm. and see what's going on. Does it feel magic? Do you notice them in patterns? Are there other mm-hmm. things? Always black cats on Wednesdays. You know, what is going on with that? And there's probably a lot of dog signs that you won't pick up on. But since I said this, you're going to notice those cat signs a lot more. Okay. And when I'm telling someone a boon, I don't say something specific. I don't say, wait three weeks and you will get this job because that's a very fragile prediction. That's very likely to mm-hmm. go off the rails. But if I'm telling them to just look for a little something that goes in their favor, you know, something that works out, a nice little surprise, they're going to find that because something's bound to happen and they're mm-hmm. going to appreciate it. And I mm-hmm. think that is where the real magic comes in from is the looking for it and the appreciating it. And okay. that's what allows them to have that more magical experience. So it's, again, it's not about making false promises or um, exaggerated promises. It's really about giving them a little push in the right direction, a little nudge that that's, will make them look for something and then act on that again. Exactly, yeah. That, it, it's, just, it's just a little bit of positivity that you're passing forward that... Yep. 
in the same way that we, we all know how easily negativity spreads and, you know, we could go out for drinks with a friend and you and I share a car home and I go, man, he was so annoying tonight. Weren't you bothered by this and that? And you're like, oh, well, I wasn't. But now that I think about it, yeah, he did kind of talk over us. <laughs> and the next time you see him and he talks over someone, you're going, ah, there he's doing it again. I can't wait to tell Devin what he was doing tonight. And we start identifying this pattern of bad behavior that we are now fixated on. That's very easy, but going in the other direction is a little bit more difficult where you are noticing those positive patterns. And if that makes you a little bit happier and that helps you ignore something crappy that happened today, you know, like next, you know, next week, your, your, your kids are upset and you're running behind and you're doing this and that. And then just when you're, you know, in traffic and you're so frustrated and you turn a corner and this cat runs across the road and you go, there it yeah. is. Okay. Yeah. You know, maybe you come home and you're in a better mood and then your family's in a better mood and that shifts That's the whole tenor of your day. I see. I see. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. I'll, I'll keep my eyes yeah. open and I'll let you know what happens. Different topic. Um, I've heard you talking about psychedelics in um, another podcast. Oh yeah. So what kind of um, influence did or do the psychedelics have on your, your, you know, your mindset, the way you think, the way you see the, 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 the bigger you know, connection of the universe? Because my, my experience is, and, and it's, it's funny, um, not, on, not only my personal experience with psychedelics, but um, I've talked to a lot of serious people in you know, this, this kind of podcast here. And it's amazing that when you, and sometimes it's off camera, it's not always on, on camera, but sometimes even off camera, um, how people had profound experiences that, that really changed their life completely. And you wouldn't expect it from, from those people. You wouldn't expect it from the setting. You wouldn't expect them even opening up about it. Um, but there seems to be something about it that, that um, psychedelics do with your mind that opens up a lot of possibilities in your life. If you use it responsibly, of course. Um, and you know, there are also these theories that uh, no, the, the, the human brain really started to develop in a whole different way when our ancestors started. No. The stone um, theory, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, finding mushrooms and then something changed. So, so I was, you know, given that you're a very, um, you know, you see things in the bigger picture, I was wondering how that's played into your development. Sure. Uh, I if you want to talk acid. about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. uh, I took acid at a very young age. I took mm -hmm. acid in eighth grade, so I was 13 or 14, mm -hmm. which is a weird age to take psychedelics because your perspective on the world is changing because you're just an adolescent and you're going through puberty and you're mm -hmm. questioning reality and authority. And so I can never really tell what was a side effect of the drug and what was just, uh, you know, something else. Part of your puberty development. Yeah. But I think that I've always been questioning everything, but I think that helped me sort of shift into seeing through some of the bullshit and questioning the life path that was being set before me and this, you know, you got to get good grades and go to college and pick a career and go get, you know, the job so you can get the life and then get the house and do the thing. 
And so I think I called bullshit on that at a pretty darn mm-hmm. young age. And at the same time, I've had, I've never had, you know, like a bad trip that was, you know, so, 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 so bad, but mm-hmm. I've definitely had incredibly uncomfortable experiences and terrifying experiences and things that were just ordeals to get through. And so I'm cautious when talking about psychedelics because so much of the other dialogue I hear about them treat them like uh, the, the balm to heal all, all mm-hmm. ill that if everyone just took mushrooms, then we'd be in this utopian society mm-hmm. and when in doubt, you know, go do ayahuasca and that's going to set you off on the right path. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am reminded of a friend who was a writer and was working a freelance writing gig for an astrology website. Mm-hmm. So people would write into the astrology website and she would look at their chart and then she would answer their questions. Mm-hmm. And there were people that wrote in all the time and it's a paid service. You know, you're paying, you know, for the responses you're getting. And when we were chatting about, it, she said, I don't know what to tell these people. You, you've written in three times this week. Mm-hmm. The, the stars are the same. The answer is the same. You've got to go do the work. You know, the, the tarot reading, the astrology reading, whatever it is, can say, oh, you've got a challenge up ahead and you've got to look within yourself and be confident, but you're going to have to just go do that at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I see psychedelics as people keep going back to the oracle rather than going out and living in the world and just doing the things. Then listening um, and, and acting upon it. Yeah, exactly. Um, personally, I like tarot, but I only do readings occasionally because they're really good. I get a really clear answer. But if I go mm-hmm. and I, you know, if I say, hey, cards, what should I do about this thing in my life? And they give me an answer and I say, great. Next week, hey, cards, what should I do about this thing in my yeah. life? Like, mm-hmm. You know, they, the first time they say, be confident, start the project. The next time they say, wait patiently, the time will be right. Now I've got two contradictory answers. Mm-hmm. What, am I, what am I doing? And I've seen that with the friends that go take psychedelics every weekend where the answers they found the first time get murkier the more they double down again and again and again. So the more extreme psychedelic experiences that I've had, um, I had a really, really intense ego death experience on DMT that, okay. that rattled me. Okay that I, I really felt like I sort of connected with the idea of God and, and, and got a peek at what, you know, mm-hmm. what the largest view of existence that you can get is. And it wasn't all bliss and Buddha fields and love for me. Uh, being all-knowing and everything, you know, to be all one is to be alone. To just, mm-hmm. you know, to be the totality, to be the mm-hmm. monad is, is, is lonely. <laughs> And I get why in the, the Hindu uh, terminology, reality loses itself within itself again and again. You know, it, it breaks down into illusion, into, into the illusion of separateness to play with itself. Mm-hmm. So the way that I sort of think about it is you've got, uh, you've got a hill and you've got all of these seekers that are lined up going up the hill and they're, you know, oh, we, we can't wait to be enlightened. And, you know, oh, once we get to the top of the mountain, you know, we're going to find out the truth and we won't have our infirmities and we're going to be so amazing. 
And then there's another group of people that are walking down the mountain. They're like, yeah, it's nice up there. It's a view, but you know, it's the top of a mountain. It's cold. We want to go back to the village. (laughs) There's chickens running around and kids in the village and all these wonderful things. So I think that psychedelics are a wonderful tool and can be a great way to have a, a fun time and to, to enjoy some laughs and to, to learn something new. But at the end of the day, I think, um, you know, we're alive in this world for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily go full-blown mysticism where reality is an illusion and we've got we've to return to the source. You know, we left the source for a reason and mm-hmm. maybe we're here to explore uh, all the possibilities that exist. Mm-hmm. I am a, I am a very complex being composed of trillions of cells and bacteria and all this other stuff working together for uh, a brief, brief instant. And yeah, there's so much to do. That's just mundane in a, in mm-hmm. a way you know, to what is it? Um, you know, uh, before enlightenment, chop wood, do laundry. After enlightenment, chop wood, do laundry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got you. That's yeah. been my attitude recently is I think, I think that experience, I felt like I uh, did the cheat code and got warped to the final boss mm-hmm. and not have the equipment and experience to actually do anything and mm-hmm. got my ass kicked and started over and thought, okay, cool. I'm glad to know that there's stuff at the end of the game. That's exciting. I like, I do know that now, but I think I'm more invested in the, um, the long path than I was before. So now I do more yoga and I've always had a, a meditation practice that I've leaned into more. And I think I realized that rather than, um, I, I met someone who was telling me that they did DMT, ayahuasca, uh, mushrooms, LSD, and peyote at the same time. All right. Uh... Uh, and I was just like, what, what could you possibly gain from that? Experience? Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, uh, how's their, how their experience? I mean, it's, it's a person that honestly seems um, difficult to talk to. They say things that are very cosmic-y, uh, but also very word salad Like word salad is a thing that schizophrenics have where, you know, harmony, harm on why why is the question you know they're breaking down words into these okay. pieces that okay. maybe sound a little bit profound but are also kind of gibberishy yeah, yeah. i they, they seemed like someone that had you know been shattered and maybe in certain audiences you know will find the profound truth coming from them but again i i, I like the world that i want to live in it i want to be able to speak to people and have them pick up what I'm putting down. Uh, that's very important to me as a wizard is that I keep uh, at least one foot on consensus reality because if I'm in my mind thinking that I've, you know, achieved enlightenment and I'm talking to God and everyone else sees me as the homeless guy that's shitting himself in the corner of the subway station, <laughs> that's not really what I want. So, yeah. Um, yeah, psychedelics, I think, can give you a very profound insight into a largely internal subjective experience that, you know, goes, you know, 
you go in one way, you get to the same thing as if you go out the other way. Like mm. I, I, I think that the external world and the internal world meet in the, <laughs> in the middle. Mm. But I think in our day and age where we're so shunted into personalized experiences where your web search returns different results because of your search history than mine does. Your Facebook feed doesn't look like mine. If I tried to use your phone, I'd be like, wait, how do I, where's your camera? You know, mm-hmm. everyone's experience is so customized and unique to them that I'm more interested in what are the communal experiences? Mm-hmm. What are the ways that we can bond together as a group? So that's actually what I really like about psychedelics is the times when I took it with a group of friends and we all were finishing each other's sentences more than I want to have this, uh, you know, how far can you go? Yeah. Oh, that five hits. Can you take 10? You know, okay. 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 Have you done DMT and there's this sort of individualist competitive nature. That is something that I push back on. I see. Okay. Um, but you know, mushrooms are fun. Mushrooms are great. <laughs> but it can also be taxing. Uh, it can also be taxing. I mean, it's not always fun. That's, that's, that's what a lot, a lot of people seem to forget. I've been there once or twice uh, in the wrong direction and it's not, 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 a, pleasure, not a pleasurable oh, experience. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, it's funny. I'm a vegetarian, but there's been several times where at the end of a psychedelic experience, I walked myself to McDonald's and I sat down and I had a Big Mac because I wanted <laughs> to just re-enter the mainstream. I felt like I pushed myself into, you know, some weird other dimension and I wanted to let go of that and I wanted to come back and re-enter the world with all of its flaws. You know, these aren't great things. I think the world should be moving in different directions, but I wanted to connect and understand the people that watch the nightly news and the Ford truck commercials and then go out and get a Big Mac. And I wanted to see them and be with them and commune with them. And it was sort of the, uh, you know, I'd taken one sacrament and I wanted to take the other sacrament. Mm-hmm. Um, what I was surprised about is um, there was an article about you um, after your TV interview that was very negative. I mean, there was some, some guy writing like this subway magician is, uh, or uh, um, wizard is like the worst thing that happened to the subway system. Uh, and I was since, reading- since Hurricane Sandy, yeah. Yeah, or something like that. And I was reading that, and then I was reading the comments below, and I was thinking, what's wrong with that guy? Why the negativity? Why is someone so aggravated by the fact that you're out there and you know giving people a good time and you no, know, not doing anything bad? So you're not annoying anyone. You're not stalking anyone. You're just being there. And if someone wants to interact with you, then then they, they, they interact with you. And with not, then you just can kind of continue. Why did some people get so aggravated by these things that they you know, sit down and write this article and then put you know, this outflow of negative uh, emotions into such an article? Why, why is that? Well, I think it goes back to, you know, I, I read that article and I actually enjoyed it quite a bit because, um, you know, not everyone's going to always love what you do and you've got to, you know, get used to that. So that was good experience. And like I was saying earlier, when, you know, someone's saying something at this level, but they're really saying something at this level. And it was so interesting because, you know, I, I, you know, don't feed the trolls, don't 
you know, wait in the comments to slug it out. But I almost wanted to connect with that guy and say, hey, like, you know, let's, let's have a chat because so much of the stuff that you were mad about were your fantasies about me. That mm-hmm. there was things that I said in the video or that they showed in the video and he goes, no, I'm certain that this is not true and it's this other thing that I have an issue with where, you know, as soon as the cameras are off, I'm begging these people for money and it's this whole... Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. No, that's not true at all. I, 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 have a, I have a day job. I get paid fine. I'm, I'm doing this because I want to do this. Uh-huh. Like, this is, you know, I, I am very aware of the privilege that I bring and that's why I keep it uh, passive when I'm on the subway. I sit on the train and I have a sign that says talk to the wizard because no one meets a wizard by accident. And it's a fake like MTA subway sign. And I'm you know clearly dressed as a wizard. And then I wait for people to interact with me. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll smile. Maybe I'll crack a joke. If someone's kind of staring, if someone's trying to take a picture without asking me, I'll like flash a peace sign and be a little bit goofy, yeah. but I don't get on the train and go, Hey everybody, a wizard's here, blah, blah, blah. Because people are tired. And people want to go home and people have a right to do that. People have a right to have the experience they want on the train. And I don't want to live in a world where no one ever comes on the subway and plays guitar and, you know, passes the hat because one person would find it annoying. I don't want to go to the lowest common denominator, but I also don't want to bug people who have had a long day that I don't understand and their, you know, their dog has cancer. And the last thing they want is to hear my shtick. I'm there for the people who are in the exact same situation. They've had a long day, their dog has cancer and they're in tears because there's a wizard on this train who's going to give them a hug and listen to them for a minute. Mm -hmm. That's who I'm for. So yeah, that guy's article is fun. Um, I think, I think that's the whole tenor of that or the whole tone of that website is, snark and talking shit and uh the yeah the comments were pretty awful on that article and yeah, know, yeah I, it's I, like, I hope that guy's having fun yeah yeah it's like a, you know you got the typical internet trolls i mean that's what you always have and the keyboard warriors that you know probably wouldn't dare to look at you but it was just i was just surprised by the negativity of that particular article i was like oh geez what's yeah. coming why, why why someone so i have a, a theory I'm, I'm really into gnomes uh mm-hmm. You know, gnomes have the pointed hat, the beard. They look very similar to wizards. Uh, and then I really just got into sort of researching where gnome mythology comes from. And uh, I think there's a lot of fun stuff there. And I came up with this idea of internet gnomes. So mm-hmm. we have internet trolls and trolling. And trolling is mean-spirited. So mm-hmm. internet trolling is when you are writing a mean comment or just provoking somebody or you're doing a prank that's very malicious and someone gets mm-hmm. hurt. Whereas no mean are jokes that like we all kind of enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite example of internet no mean was uh, Walmart was doing a promotion with the rapper Pitbull where they mm-hmm. were going to send him to whatever Walmart page got the most likes, you mm-hmm. know, like, your small town Walmart gets the most likes and you're going to go there. And Twitter found a Walmart that's in the middle of nowhere, Alaska. <laughs> the most remote place possible. And they just deluged it with likes. So it just got the most. And then Pitbull and Walmart were like, awesome. We're going to do it. And they yeah. went there. And this is a town that nothing ever happens in. They're in the middle of nowhere. And they were thrilled. And it was just so beautiful. Like everyone benefited. So. 
Yeah, I like the idea of uh, don't be an internet troll, be an internet gnome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a prank can be a very beautiful thing. I see, I see. It's, it's funny about, uh, that you mentioned gnomes. I had um, a very strange experience many, many years back um, when I was still at university. So I went to a really very serious business university. So every very you know, business focused, no esoteric stuff uh, whatsoever. And I was in this... Um, I'm in business school. <laughs> and I was in this in this kind of um, coaching mentoring group where like a bit, former business leader would have like five or six um, students and you know they would meet on a regular basis and um, you know share ideas exchange ideas and talk and whatever and the mentor that I had at that time um, was a guy who was um, for the university I mean he went there and he was an executive at a big uh, I think at a big retail company whatever um, he kind of had a change of mind in the midst of his life became you know, went to um, to the US uh, lived with Native Americans for a year um, then came basically back to Switzerland and became um, a coach so they're doing this like family I don't know how you call it in English where you put family like if you do family therapy where you put people in different places and then you some therapy yeah exactly exactly yeah you have, like, you have like the different pieces inside of yourself yeah, yeah. and so, so tough like this he was he was for, for the university he was very um uh, different than all the other members and there was one one session where we sat together and talked about a few things and somehow so, you know, we came up with gnomes like the topic of gnomes and he said like i believe in gnomes You're like you well, why do you believe in gnomes like you're, it's, 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 it doesn't make any sense it's ridiculous and so, so long story short like 10 minutes later we were just sitting all there and crying of laughing because it was so funny and the whole thing was just so positive They're like you see that's the gnomes they made us do this and yeah. and i found this to be that just stuck with me because it's like these these students from this business university like the equivalent of harvard in europe and then you now this business dude and then we're talking about gnomes and then like I told you, they're real. They're real. They're sitting here watching us, and they're making us do that. Yeah. And and um, yeah, I'm not saying I believe in gnomes, but it was like it was a magical moment. That's how you can best describe it. That's that's. You know, we can believe in gnomes in two different ways. We can believe that there's you know a physical gnome that I could catch like a mouse and I could hold up, and it's real, and you can see it, and I can see it. And I don't know if those are real. I've never seen one, mm -hmm. but we can believe in gnomes as a concept. Mm -hmm. You know, clearly seen a gnome statue someplace, or there's cartoons, there's books, there's, you know, the, the idea of a gnome is something that we can believe in. And that worked its way into your conversation and made you laugh. So maybe, maybe that's how gnomes exist, as they operate on that plane. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That was great. That was great. Um, what happens after death? <laughs> as a wizard, what's your opinion? Um... I think it's I think it's difficult no matter what happens. Um, you know, when I get into philosophy and cosmology, I'm pretty into the idea that there's really only two things. There's everything and nothing, and they they coexist simultaneously, and we're sort of flickering between them. Uh, it, it it probably looks like binary. You know, zero is the nothingness, one is the everythingness, and it's just flickering back and forth. So um, after death, I. I don't know if the thing that I experience is my consciousness merges with a larger consciousness and I get to just ride those waves or um, I don't know. 
you know, I think it's a mystery for a reason. I think that creates mm-hmm. the tension that allows us to do all the things we need to do and have the experiences we want to have. Uh, but post DMT experience, I realized that um, even the most benevolent version would still be incredibly jarring. <laughs> like, okay. You know, like I, I, I've spent my whole life getting used to this form of existence. And so to die and then be like, oh, now I'm an angel and there's trillions of angels and I have to navigate angel hierarchies and angel politics. Like that would be crazy. (laughs) You know, to be just born again in another life would probably be great. But, you know, I'm I'm sentimental. I like the life that I have. So I'm probably, I think I'm in the stage of, you know, the path or whatever, where I'm still clinging. Like I still very much uh, am excited about the projects that I'm working on and the, the friends and things that I have in this plane of existence. And so um, even if there is stuff after death, I'm, I'm reluctant to embrace that change, even though it's okay. Should. okay. I have no idea. I honestly have no idea. I've, I've thought about it so many times, but it's, it's something in my mind that I just, I I can't go further. It's just it's it's it reaches a point where I cannot I cannot come to any conclusion that would make sense on any rational or emotional level. Yeah, uh, my friend, uh, you should uh, you you'll love this guy. He might be someone that you'd even want to talk to. Uh, my friend Ramin Nazer is a comedian and uh, illustrator. I guess you would call him. Um, his Instagram is great. He posts, it's almost like, it's like the far side for people who have done DMT. It's, <laughs> okay. it's these little comments that like, they just are so positive and they're all about creativity and expressing yourself in the future and virtual reality. And they just like, they just are, are so wonderful. But he did a book that I think you can find online called what happens after you die mm-hmm. uh, by Ramin Nazer. And It's, uh, it's just him exploring each of the sort of possibilities of, you know, Mm -hmm. is it, is it heaven? Is it hell? Is it reincarnation? Is there is no such thing as death? Like, um, and they're, they're, it's a really great book. Okay. 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 Yeah. It would be interesting to read. I mean, it's, it's for me, the closest I can get to is, I mean, I, I don't believe in the, let's say the, the whatever Catholic idea of, of heaven and hell or something like that. So that's something I think it's, it's out of the question for me. So the question is, is there something where I guess everything is united or is there nothing after that? So those are the two options for me. And, and I probably, I'm probably more inclined to say, okay, there's probably something where we are all connected, but who can tell that's, yeah. that's, but it's, it's either, I guess it's either one of those, those two things for me, but yeah, I'm going to have a look at the book. That sounds great. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that, you know, eternity and the idea of never ending bliss. Um, actually, I can give you actually, let me give you a little bit better of an answer. Um, so I read this great science fiction short story recently called the metamorphosis of prime intellect. Mm-hmm. And it's written in the late nineties, early two thousands, but um, it's basically like the singularity happens, you know, this computer mm-hmm. becomes hyper hyper evolved and then is programmed with As- um, Isaac Asimov uh, three laws of robotics. So it's mm-hmm. not allowed to let harm come to any humans mm-hmm. and realizes that the world as it currently exists is too dangerous for humans. And so it reboots the universe and makes uh, 
and makes a sort of virtual universe where people are alive and it caters to their wishes and they can have pretty much anything they want. Mm-hmm. And the main character finds this to be absolute misery, you know, because not, there's no challenge anymore. You want something, you snap your fingers, you got it. You want muscles, you snap your fingers, you got them. So nothing means anything. Mm-hmm. And eventually they point out that it's not really keeping human beings alive because people are becoming non-human because certain people in this world are asking the machine to stimulate their brain, you know, the neurons in their brain until the pleasure circuits fire and then just leave that going. So they become mm-hmm. vegetables, you know, they're just pure bliss, just, just going. Endlessly. And, yeah. and endlessly. And, you know, in an eternity, more and more people are going to take that option. And so I think that's the view that I sort of have of it is that if you think of all of the matter in the universe, eventually configuring itself into circuits or whatever, you know, the most optimal form it could be, that's just triggering pleasure for itself. And if that spreads in the entire universe takes that form, you've got this whole grid of just everything just in this rapture loop which I think ends up being nothingness. And that's the blank state of nothingness that then creation spawns from again. Mm-hmm. So I think of, um, of it as this perpetual loop, again, that's switching on and off, where you start with nothing, nothing's inherently unstable because you have nothing, so anything could happen. You know, mm-hmm. Anything's possible when you have nothing, and so something is bound to happen, and once that happens, it spirals until everything is happening, and everything if it reaches its ultimate state is entirely self-aware, you know, mm-hmm. the widest possible view when there's nothing else to see, uh, creates that nothingness and then it loops. So it has to go back to nothingness. Okay. Exactly. okay. Yeah. So I don't know if, if our awareness that we identify as where that goes in the grand scheme of things, but I think that process is, um, is always happening, has always happened is outside of time. And, um, the real fun, though, is not the biggest view, but all the, the complex layers that exist above and below us, you know. I see. It's, it's not the, the, the cosmic scale of the universe is very hard for us to deal with, but the scale of, um, of connecting with ideas and these things that are slightly bigger than us or connecting with, you know, animals and plants and microbes and these things that are slightly smaller is where, um, where I'm trying to find the joy. So what's next for you? What are your next big steps, your vision, any new projects that you're currently working on? So, well, this is, this is a great question because it, it taps into the very nature of my next project. So for me, as I exist right now in this moment, my next project is I'm launching a podcast, mm-hmm. which is a magic ritual called This Podcast is a Ritual. But mm-hmm. for anyone that's listening to this, it's already been launched and it already exists. So you can just go ahead and find that now search for this podcast as a ritual on iTunes and, you know, wherever podcasts are sold. Uh, but that's the big project that I'm working on where it's a magic ritual between myself, Mm -hmm. the guests that I interview, Mm -hmm. all future listeners. And so I'm trying to have a very long view of time where it's not just people that listen to it, you know, next Tuesday or, you know, someone two years from now that's at the gym catching up on the old episodes, but someone who's studying the 21st century and they're going through all the digital archives and they're listening to it 
they're also part of the ritual, all the way up to this hypothetical future singularity being that can absorb all digital human knowledge in an instant. You know, the way that you could download David Bowie's entire discography in half an hour, this -hmm. thing's going to be able to go, ah, okay, cool. I just saw every TV show that was made between, you know, the, the the invention of television and the, the the year that I exist, you know, just able to parse all of that at once. So the idea is that we all come together to work in this uh, ritual space that the podcast creates. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I are existing right now with all of the listeners that are listening now. Hello, you're you, you haven't found this yet, but you're here. Mm-hmm. We're in the past. You're then. There's other people that come later. And we're going to work together to all create a slightly better reality. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of pessimism right now. It's well-deserved. The world's kind of a mess. But I think, like we talked about at the beginning of this, the hunters that were gathered in their cave and they were saying, all right, we're all starving. Let's draw a picture of us capturing the buffalo so we don't starve to death. And mm-hmm. they're the ones that did it and they managed to survive. I think that's the same idea as we're going to gather in this in this podcast and we're going to draw pictures on the wall of making it through the tumult of the current Mm -hmm. of the current era and creating the slightly better reality that allows us to move on into a more optimistic future. That sounds great. So so who do you plan on inviting? What kind of guests is it from a completely a mixed set of people or. Yeah. You know, um, it's my, my goals for this are to connect with people like you and I are connecting right now. And I, I, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to come on and get to know you and, you know, wherever our, we go from here, our fates are intertwined and uh, that's exciting and have fun. I think it's supposed to be fun. And then I want to help people. So mm-hmm. I want to talk to guests with different experiences, but each episode is going to be focused around a general topic and we'll be giving out a spell in my style of magic that people can do to make, you know, their lives slightly better around that one thing, you know, whether it's trying to manifest love or learn about a divination technique or talk about psychedelics, um, just a little something. And so hopefully we will create a nice community of people that uh, listen to this, that partake in the magic together, that give back and we can start feeding into each other. So um, I'm very excited to nurture it and see how it grows. That sounds great. I'll need to check it out. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, well, it doesn't exist yet, but it's... Yeah, well, there's, it's, it's on iTunes, as you said, so there are a few episodes are out already. Um, so, no, nothing's out. So, for the listeners that are listening to this, it is ready. Then it's, okay, I got you. Got you, got you. Moment, it's not, because uh, November 30th is the anniversary of the ritual that I did four years ago to become a wizard. And ah, I we're going to celebrate that by doing a live recording of the initiation ritual for all of the listeners of the podcast. So this podcast, the ritual starts with an initiation ritual that you listen to, and then you're, you're in it. And then yep. you can listen to any episode out of order. doesn't matter. Just tune in to what feels right for you in that moment. You know, if you're having trouble sleeping, we'll have a how to fall asleep episode and you can pick that one out. If you're gotcha, gotcha. up, we'll have a how to get over a breakup episode and you can tune into that one and then it becomes your own, you know, way to access magic. Gotcha. Okay, I'll make sure to check them one out. Sounds very interesting. Amazing. Yeah. So that's 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 taking my focus right now. I'm I'm trying to teach myself how to uh 
how to narrow my focus. I tend to be, you know, if I'm the wizard's hat, I tend to be more here than more up here where I've always got, you know, eight things that I'm like, all right, this is what I want to do. And okay. then, uh, so right now I'm focusing on one thing and just getting this podcast out. Cool. Cool. Perfect. So make sure to check it out. Um, your website is, uh, devinperson.com. Nope. It's personsawake.com. Person's awake. I'm sorry. Person's awake. Person's awake. That's right. Yep. That's also uh, for everyone who is watching and listening. Um, you got um, a few very interesting things out. You have a book that you've written a while ago. Yep, I have a I have a book called Mysteries of the Deep that mm-hmm. we released as a, a magical artifact through a Kickstarter spell mm-hmm. to raise four hundred and twenty dollars, and we did, mm-hmm. and we created a new reality where the book exists. And so the uh, artifact copies exist in the world, and you can stumble onto them, but you can't buy them. And you can download the digital copy from my website. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a nice short read that kind of gives you a good uh, set of tools about how to think about the world and, and move through it. And then I've got a lecture on my website on wizards as an archetype. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, there'll be more to come. I'm figuring out this stuff uh, the same as everyone else is learning about it. So we're all, we're all working on it together. Okay. Okay. Unfortunately, I didn't get to read the book because um, I was knocked down by the flu the last days. But um, I've, I've Fortunately, you can read the book in the future. So maybe I will uh, definitely. It's it's on my agenda for the next days. Definitely. And but I've watched I've watched the talk and it's really very interesting. It goes a lot into as you said archetypes. Um, you know, do you talk about uh, Harry Potter? You talk about um, you know just the hero's journey, Star Wars, um, those kind of Yoda, things. Gandalf, Merlin, the Wizard Merlin. of Oz, and um, what is? Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, those, yeah, it's, so it's really five, worth really worth watching, watching or listening to at least. Let's put it this way. What what what's with the 420? Is that some sort of weed reference there or? Yeah, so 420 is, is for whatever reason, you know, you can go read a Rolling Stone article about where it comes from, but I, I prefer to think that it just, it, it caught on for whatever reason, but it's a magical number. So it's inherently funny. Mm-hmm. You know, if I try to raise $2,000, that's a lot less funny than if I try and raise $420. The same <laughs> way that if I'm Devin Person, modern mythologist and expert on practical positive thinking tips that's a lot less fun than if I'm a wizard. So yeah. Yeah. a way to connect with people with the, uh, the magic and the, the symbolism that they're already having fun with. Yeah, catch it. So make sure to check it out. It's definitely worth uh, the time and make sure to check out the book on personasawake.com. Personasawake.com, yeah. And I'm personasawake on Instagram. And, you know, I, I think you can, you can Google me. I'm, I'm findable. And if and anyone's also- listening to this, reach out. We, as, uh, I don't know if it's in the episode, but we talked about the beginning that everything leads to something. So maybe you're the something that comes from this. Yeah, who knows? And I'll also make sure to leave the uh, links to everything in the description of this video. Definitely. So um, I have two last questions that I ask everyone um, that's, uh, that I talk to. And the first question is, um, this is you know, a series of, of conversations with extraordinary people that are inspiring, that make a change in this world, that make a dent in the history of the world. Very, um, very honored to be on this roster you've got. It's, a, it's quite the list. Well, definitely. It's, it's you were, no, it's, it's, I really like what you're doing and you're inspiring your um, added twist to things. And, and there's a lot of 
positive energy coming from you or magic, positive magic, whatever you want to call it. And so I definitely felt I needed to talk to you and I'm happy that you had the time and were open to talking to me. So thank you very much for that. Um, so my, my question would be, who do you consider some, someone extraordinary that I might even talk to next? Um, let me go, can I, can I give you three people and I'll-, I'll, I'll Yeah, yeah, go ahead, sure. So uh, last year I did a magic ritual on the three year anniversary of my original ritual. And mm -hmm. I didn't rent a rehearsal space because I'd made friends that had event spaces that were far more magical. And mm -hmm. I had friends that knew I was a wizard. So I got them involved and I kept it very loose. And I just wanted to make my, I wanted to go to the next level. Mm -hmm. And then I met and fell in love with a wonderful poet who, mm -hmm works magic in a different way. Um, her name's Lisa Ann Markison, and she mm -hmm. runs a company called The Haiku Guys and Gals. Uh, the Haiku okay. Guys. Um, and they are a poetry company that send poets to events to write poems, specifically haikus, for guests, typewriters. Mm -hmm. And it's absolutely magical. It's so cool to watch because people come up and they're, ooh, a typewriter, what's going on over here? And we're a poet. Can we write you a poem? And someone's like, sure. What do I do? All we need is a topic. Oh, I don't know. What do I think of? Um, um, love. Okay. That's a little bit vague. What's something more specific? And then the person opens up mm -hmm. and then something, the poet writes them a poem and then gives it to the person. And then the person's just like, and melts and hugs and cries. And just, it's, it's such a cool experience. And they do this all the time. They have, you know, poets all over the world that are just giving these experiences to people. And it's really, it's really cool. I think it's, um, it's such a powerful form of art. So that's one person who constantly inspires me. The person who just taught me how to, you know, be a human being that gets stuff done and takes my ideas out of my head and brings them into the world is an artist and uh, organizer, Corinne Laperfito, mm -hmm. who makes costumes and jewelry and is currently a huge advocate for living a zero waste lifestyle. She lives in a way that she doesn't produce garbage and um, just has organized radical events. She used to run an illegal DIY strip club that was all about body positivity and was uh, truly transformational. And, um, you know, you don't think about crime when you're at a strip club, but uh, it was, it was so cool because it was every kind of person could participate. And so watching people who, you know, I saw a woman who weighed like 400 pounds perform and it was just amazing to see someone who must, you know, be used to stairs and not feeling comfortable in their body, getting to strip to a Van Halen song and just loving it. And the crowd giving so much love and support and her current project is called pussy powerhouse. And it's sort of a feminist collective event that um just so thoughtful and just so beautiful what she's bringing into the world um incredibly hardworking too and then um i'd plug ramin again i think he is creating art about the process of creating art that really makes me feel less alone i constantly seeing his ideas and realizing oh everyone has to struggle with those demons that are telling them you know not to work on something or they're not good enough. And mm -hmm. what I think lacks so often in the life coach, transformation, self-help mysticism world is that 
they're fucking funny. You know, mm-hmm. they, they've got the message, but it's not just saying we are all one with the universe. It's putting a real perspective on it and giving you something that you can chew on, that you think about, that you remember mm-hmm. that adds texture to it. So uh, you can find him at Ramin, R-A-M-I-N-N-A-Z-E-R on mm-hmm. Instagram. And I've just watched his work uh, grow. And it's, it, it's something that, you know, it's going to be, I think the future is going to look back and see him as a true gem. Mm-hmm. Great. I'll check it out. Thank you very much for those uh, yeah. recommendations. And um, I'll dig more into that. Um, the last question I always ask. In the final to, question. Final question to also close this with, with uh, you. Um, what's, what's your message for everyone who's watching this? What's the message that's closest to your heart that you want to, if you only had one thing to say to everyone who's watching this or listening to this, what would it be? That's a great question. It's supposed to be fun. Life isn't always fun. There's things that are hard. There's things that are difficult. There's things that we don't want to do, but it's supposed to be fun. And we have the free will to find the fun and to create that. If you're arguing with a loved one, take a moment to pause and go, wait a minute, what are we, who cares about this dinner thing that we, you know, how can we reconnect and how can we make this moment fun and pleasurable and go find that? You know, I live in New York City. So many people just commute back and forth and it's just this trudge and this drudgery and they, you know, complain about how everything is busy and crowded and this and that. This is a city that people save up money for decades to come and visit. It's their dream to fly here and to go see things. You can take a time on a weekend to go walk around Central Park, to go to a museum, to go do one of those fun things. You can buy yourself an ice cream cone. You know, mm-hmm. it's always it's always there. So um, I think I think the final words I'd like to say are just what I have tattooed on my body uh, that is really the, the genesis of the whole wizard thing is I believe in you. Your magic is real. Then in person, it's been two magical hours. I thank you so much again for your time. And let's see where this will take us from here. Have a wonderful day. Thank you very much again. Thank you for watching. And in a few seconds, you'll hear about the extraordinary person that I'm going to talk to in my next conversation. But before that, I need to ask you for your help. See, finding people who inspire and motivate you to make a change, that's what's most important to me. But to connect you with these amazing people and to bring you conversations that you will not find anywhere else, I need you to become a part of our journey. So please get involved and leave a comment below with your own questions and maybe even tell me who I should talk to next. And if you know anyone who might like this conversation, then please share it because I'm sure that they will like it too and it will help to grow this channel and to make an impact together. And by the way, on my website, you will find all current and upcoming episodes, including show notes and transcripts, background info, books and websites of my guests, podcast links, and much more. And once you become an email subscriber, there is always some exclusive content. So don't forget to sign up and I'll see you in the next conversation. In the next episode, Rob talks to Shannon Martinez. After a traumatic experience at the age of 14, when two men raped her at a party while she was intoxicated, Shannon's life spiralled out of control. She channelled her negative emotions into a white supremacist organisation 
and became a neo-Nazi skinhead for five years, until she was taken in by a family that changed her mind and supported her in leaving the organisation. Now a mother of seven, she fights against extremism, educates communities and institutions to understand how people get radicalised and helps those who want to disengage from hate movements in any part of the political spectrum. Rob and Shannon talk about surviving trauma, how vulnerable people are the easiest targets for radical organisations, what it takes to turn your life around, and much more. Join the conversation now.